a business owner. He's an entrepreneur. He's built a seven-figure uh, portfolio from the ground up. Uh, Lloyd Ross. What's up, Tony? Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so you're from uh, Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia. I am indeed. Right? The, east, the most eastern part of Australia is where I live on the ocean there. So. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. A long way away from everywhere, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, we're from the U.S., so we have no idea where that is. I've never been. <laughs> I know. That's totally cool. I, yeah, I looked it up on a map. It looked like a nice beach area. I was like, nice, nice. With yeah, what's going yeah. on in the U.S. right now, I'd rather be in Australia, to be honest. Yeah, it's so weird. You know like, we, we, I look at, I got, we got team in the U.S. Actually, I literally just jumped off a call with our USA team. Oh, really? And, you know, coming in like a couple of them are coming in remote and so like wearing masks and here where i'm from no one has ever worn a mask during this covid thing so it's like you know one of the most regulated countries in the world australia and all of a sudden we feel like the most free it's weird like we have none of this going on so we're just watching the news thinking far out it looks pretty tough other places you know so yeah i was gonna ask you how the covid situation is so you don't have that many cases nah like i think you know, sadly, probably maybe 900 people have died, but there's is no active, there's very few active cases, like maybe a hundred. Wow. Wow. It's incredible. Really, yeah. We haven't, we're an island, so we just closed it off. Mm. Like, you know, we're just very lucky. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about so, that. So, yeah. So let's get into it. You wrote two books. Um, okay. I wrote a book. Um, I actually did write two books, but this particular one that I, I've written, recently written, Money Grows on Trees, is probably my, my, my number one book that i've written so i'm excited about it how did you start yes. or when did you start investing at what age i was 24 i want to say 24 maybe 23 i can't okay. remember exactly but it was in my early 20s mid 20s how old are you uh, now? i'm 37 okay, okay. i'm yeah. 33 so close yeah and okay. i'm 22 um, oh man you're you a baby you got it you got <laughs> yeah, anyway I was, I was still in school still in college <laughs> But well, people anyways, used tell, people used to tell me, hey, Lloyd, you know, you're only 22. You've got so much time. And I think I remember this one piece of advice. Someone said to me, they said, you know, you've actually got no time to lose. And and that's probably the best advice anyone gave me. I didn't wait. I was like, let's just do as much as we can. So um, what actually happened and what is how I got into stocks, because my whole family grew up around property. My dad's in property. Like I was heavily involved in property. I did, I did sales and leasing of commercial property at 20 um my whole town all the australians have this dream to just be in property it's it's just like fad it's just this yeah they have a fetish for property here anyway so like i I should have just been there i was a property lawyer i was a property agent i did property overseas i don't i think after i read robert kiyosaki's book rich dad a poor dad i really just wanted to have cash flow and so i realized that property just didn't provide that because most of the time you got to borrow money to buy it so I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm saving my money up. I'm not doing all the wrong things. I'm just, you know, not buying cars and stuff like that. So I have this money. How can I best plant this or deploy this capital and get some actual money back? That's really interesting right. because that's exactly what, I don't know if you listen to Dave Ramsey, but Dave Ramsey, that's how he yeah. went. That's how he got into big trouble because he had too much debt and then they wanted all their money back. And that's, yep. that's when he started um, getting out of real estate as well. Yeah. Yeah, I love Dave Ramsey. I follow him a lot. Uh, some of my stuff in my books kind of inspired by him. I actually have zero debt. So when I mm. talk about Dave Ramsey, I'm really proud. I have zero debt. And I think that's been one of the most beneficial things for me as I've matured as a man and grown up is just not having that burden, you know, behind me squashing my entrepreneurial endeavors. Because if you have debt, 
it's really hard to take entrepreneurial risks because you've got these you're obligations. You're a slave to your debt. You're a slave yeah. to your debt, yeah. And all of a sudden, people are like, well, I can't leave my job because i got this, or I can't do that. Cause I... And I get it. It's, 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 it's bad when you've got that burden. So I always try to avoid that. Mm-hmm. I guess I've been fortunate enough to not ever take the plunge. But, um, yeah, stocks, I just – what happened was I, I always used to think, and you guys probably were the same, I used to think stocks – people were like, don't go in the stock market. It's risky. This is all I heard. This whole time. And they're like, it's just charts. And I thought the whole thing was just about charts, you know, which obviously now I understand to be technical analysis, which is fine. But that's what I thought. Anyway, I'm in the airport one day and I'm, I'm cruising across the bookshop. And I love airport bookshops because I go in there and look at the business books and the success books and I always find something and I'll get it for the plane ride. Because when you live in Australia, every plane ride is long. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah. I, I buy this book. I see this book, Warren Buffett, The Snowball. And I'm like, that's really interesting. I love biographies. I'm just going to pick up this book. Apparently, this guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to stocks. So I pick it up expecting to, you know, to be about charts and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, I read this book and I'm like, holy crap. It's about buying dollar bills for 50 cents. And it was just like this light bulb moment, like, boom, I get it. I just understood value investing immediately. And that's what kind of compelled me to buy my first stock, which is in Westpac Bank. I think I put three grand in there. And uh, what I loved about that was I, I made my first $90 in dividends. So you, yes. you you manage your own portfolio then. You don't have someone do. else. Ma- yeah, that's uh, cool. I so, so I'm also pretty big into dividend investing. It's something right. I, I like a lot. I know Warren Buffett is, he, his, his, he likes to talk a lot about how if you're giving dividends away, then you're wasting money and you're not using it to grow your company. But yeah. I also like to note that this is a guy that his, almost his entire portfolio is dividend stocks. Yep, totally. so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting point you bring up there because I mean, for Warren, it doesn't make any sense to pay a dividend from Berkshire Hathaway because he knows he can deploy that capital better than his owners. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I ain't giving you this money because I can do a better job. And I get that. Uh, but you're right. When he bought Coca-Cola and he's, you know, and these great companies, you bet. He bought, he he's took got, the earnings. Yeah. yeah. He's got definitely. huge positions in Coca-Cola. And, massive, massive. And Coca-Cola's, I mean, the only reason you would really own them is for the dividends. They don't provide a lot of capital appreciation. So yeah, yeah. Um, so uh when you so your first investment was three thousand dollars and you bought yes. it in bank stock. I bought West so then, Bank stock, yeah. So what was your strategy when you were going into investing as someone that you know, as people that might be listening to this, that have no idea what to buy. I get that question all the time. What do I buy? What do I do? What's your strategy? How did you come up with a plan? It's so interesting. I get that question a lot too. And uh, I feel like I want to take my 13 years of experience and just pass it on to someone in the USB. It's tough. Yeah. You can't, it's this journey. So one of the things I learned was, okay, number one, don't lose money. Like I just, it wasn't ever about short termism for me. I understood if I put it into a great company, the capital growth, my money will grow. Plus I'll get this with cash flow and dividends. And I was okay with that. Like I'm not in a rush to be, become rich. Right. So I think the first step was like, I just needed to feel it. Like I needed to feel my way through it. Cause when you set up your brokerage account and you open it up and you look at the stocks a bit and you kind of go, okay, I'm just going to buy this. It was just the feeling of, I need to buy something. Like I need to start. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And I guess a lot of people are fearful who I, you know, people who do my, read my book and do my courses and, and, and learn from me, they, they have for that first step. But I knew I had to set up my brokerage account. No one taught me. I just figured it out on Google, right? How to do this, how to do that. And then I bought, I just needed to buy. So here's then what I learned. I grabbed the Intelligent Investor book 
and I read it like three times. And then I read some other stuff by um, Peter Lynch and some other stuff by like, uh, you know, common stocks and uncommon profits. And then all of Warren Buffett's shareholders, uh, letters to shareholders. I just became a Warren Buffett freak. I was like, I need to learn about this. And then what I understood was I understood my own limitations. So I was like, hmm, Warren is spending like every hour of his life for the last, you know, 80 years or whatever it might be since he was 11 doing this. And he has, oh, a yeah. team, he has a team now around him, you know, mm-hmm. with Ted Wexler and Todd Coombs. And he's got Charlie. As he's, so I'm like, am I as good as, am I ever going to be as good as these guys? And so my, my mindset was like, let the ego go. I actually invested a couple of stocks and I went down a little bit. And I was like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. So I was like, I did a lot of research into Berkshire and I put big positions into Berkshire Hathaway. And that's when I really made a lot of money because I actually said, I'm not as good as these guys. Why don't I just right. buy Berkshire? And man, I, I bought it at like eighty bucks. Yeah. Wow. Plus B, plus yeah. B shares at eighty bucks. Berkshire uh, is basically just an index fund. You're so, buying an ETF. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so do you yeah. think for the average investor who doesn't have all this time to you know research and whatever, do you think index funds are the perfect strategy for the average person? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. In fact, I'll go a step further and say ETFs, so exchange traded funds, are probably more even more effective. I so index funds obviously don't trade on the stock exchange. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like, so I think if you have an ounce of like some interest in stocks, probably an ETF because you can actually see it. It's kind of fun. And yeah. then as it falls, you can buy more. And so it, it works like a stock. It trades like a stock. Um, whereas exactly. an index, one, if you buy it directly from say Vanguard, they will have it in a fund and you can't see a trade. So it's not as fun. It's not as exciting. Yeah. So I guess it's good for people who, can't be trusted to like hold on to their money when the market collapses if you're like you're gonna freak out and sell do an index fund you can't see it but you know except for every quarter when they give give you the report but but the etfs you can see every day right so trade so i think an etf uh, i prefer them um yeah is wonderful you know you guys know i think if an etf is the market index and a large majority of active managers can't even beat that index yeah after fees exactly why would you muck around with anything else right unless you kind of loved it and it was a especially passion. if you especially if you don't know what you're doing i have so many people that'll message me and be like oh i bought this some penny stock you know oh, a couple dollar yeah. stock what do you think of this i bought 20 shares i'm like okay do you have a 401k no do you have any other investments no okay sell that stock buy an etf <laughs> that's like my like totally. buy ETFs for a year, learn what you're doing, uh, build up some type of a little bit of wealth and it's like a safety yeah. and then start doing your trading. hundred you know? percent. Yeah. I, I mean, so I'm glad you, you kind of have the same sentiment. Yeah. So. yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I've made mistakes where I've bought this and I just should have bought more index funds. Like I'm in, I even make mistakes where I was like, you idiot, your ego got you in the way again. Mm-hmm. You should just done that. And I think what's fascinating is that I love in Warren Buffett's will to Astrid, his wife, that when I go, I want 90% of these funds you get left with to be in an ETF for an index fund. With Vanguard, yeah. he even said v- Vanguard. VTI, right? VTI, yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 And then a, a little bit in bonds, you know, for liquidity. And I think, yeah. I mean, that's just, he literally just gives away the best investment strategy of all time for everyday people. And people just still make mistakes on that. Like, that. No idea. Yeah, no idea. It's, yeah. uh, so... So when, so this, like, I remember when I, when I hit milestones in my portfolio, I'd get excited. Like you hit your first thousand dollars, you know, you hit $5,000, you start yeah. taking pictures. You're like, Oh, I did yeah. it. 
when you hit yeah. your your a million when you hit a seven figure portfolio you can't tell yeah. me you didn't take a photo and pop some champagne i have <laughs> i have a photo yeah if what's interesting i have a photo um oh, it's so weird like when it's when it goes past one million you feel like your life's going to be like oh i'm a millionaire it's changed but you're like you feel like the Bud Light commercial is going to come on, like all these chili. Yeah, you're like, oh, something's going to happen. And you're like, oh, it's like what happened to Elon Musk the other day, right? Like, so he he became the richest man in the world when mm-hmm. Tesla went past and whatever it hit, you know, 7% return. He's worth 200 billion. And he, he sailed past. He's like, oh, how strange. The interesting about that I, is like, people on Twitter don't understand. He can't just pull that like million, that billion dollars out immediately. Everyone thinks he should just give yeah. his money away. He's so rich. He has to go yeah. through processes to withdraw that um, by the SEC. I think he has to like put in a couple of months notice. If, well, if right, plus right. it will destroy, it'll destroy Tesla if he just took yeah. all his stock out. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think but, he's uh, interested in that. Uh, he's not no. interested in that. Yeah, like he, I, he I, wants I just, to like, change me. the world. Totally. So, sorry. When, when you hit your million, you also don't just go, oh, I'm take it all out and go and buy Ferrari. It's just not how it works. Yeah. Like, I think what right now with my portfolio, what's really fascinating about it is it also took a massive hit during the pandemic back in March. So what happened was like, I'm a holder. I don't try and time bear markets or anything. I don't short stocks. And so I'm like, I'm holding my way through this because Charlie Munger says, you know, famously, if you can't see your portfolio drop by 50%, a number of times throughout your journey is not for you. So I knew right. it was going to happen. I'm like, I'm holding on. I had some spare capital to make some purchases, which I did, but I see, I saw my portfolio fall by like 300,000 or something. And so it became less than a million. And when I'm making purchases back there this year, I've purchased some travel stuff and then, you know, some more things here and there, but as it, it's positioned now that as the recovery happens this year, it will go way past and, you know, it'll. Do you think, yeah. do you think that's the reason most people like uh, pull their money out? And, and that's like a big um, they panic. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a yeah. big roadblock to getting rich. I think a lot of people panic when they see their money um, going down and yeah. then they just pull it out. Yeah. Especially well, like beginners. I, I did I mean, that when I was new. I, I saw I dropped like $10. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> um, you know what? It's really like that's where the research and fundamentals and understanding of financial literacy comes into it. Because if you do understand the fundamentals, you know full well that if you own a really good quality index fund, that those 300 companies or those 500 companies that you hold all have to go broke at the same time for you to lose everything. Yeah. The only way for that to happen is like a war, not even that. Like that didn't even happen during World War II, even. But like, a media has to hit the country or our country has to sink in all they're the type of like big long tail you know black swan events yeah. that have to happen so i'm like i say to people all the time like if you lose we got some bigger problems we need to worry about besides yeah. your yeah, when, it, when, yeah. It, when the stock market crashes you should be buying more like really? not selling it's so hard yeah it's so hard like here, i'll give you an example where I, I made a mess of myself personally this last year the stock market's falling and I've got my eyes on this great company and I was been watching it for ages. It's a good growth stock and it pays a dividend and it's growing and it's like a market leader. Brilliant. In the travel industry, incidentally. Anyway, COVID comes, it gets hammered. It dropped by like 40%. And I start buying because I'm thinking this is going to be like SARS and MERS, the Australian bird flu. I'm like, there's no way they're going to shut down countries and stuff. I mean, the, 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 pos- the, the chances of that happening are low. And I was wrong. And so here we are a year later. <laughs> and I'm like, this, yeah. And I'm like, the stock's yeah. falling. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, 
Okay, dropped another 20. I'm going to buy a little bit more. Did a little bit more. Man, this stock, no joke, I started buying at nine. Went from $14 to nine. I started buying at $9. And it went to then seven. I was like, oh, okay, a bit more. Then it went to four. I was like, uh-oh. Bought a bit more. Then I went to then it went to two dollars fifty cents. <laughs> and they do and how about it? Bain Capital comes in, rescues this company on a bailout that they couldn't find. They couldn't find capital like equity partners to buy out, like to to bail it out. So I'm thinking, uh oh, oh, this is gonna be my biggest loss. Oh, 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 this is bad, right? Bain comes in, rescues it with 25 million capital injection. I'm like, oh my god, that's amazing. And they offered they offered a right a one time rights offer to existing shareholders of a dollar seventy. So I just backed the truck up at a dollar seventy, and I just tipped in whatever money I had. Yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot more riskier when it's not an ETF. It's a lot more scary. Totally. Yeah. And I'm in travel, COVID. I'm like, oh, oh, this is bad. But you know, thankfully, I felt I felt really good with Bain. I felt good at the stock offer. And what's happened now? Because I put so much money at dollar seventy, and I kind of put my balls on the line, so to speak. It's now I'm square and I've got an average cost price of that stock at four dollars fifty, and that's a yeah. really good entry price. Well, so I the good thing is you're in the position to be able to do stuff like that because you already built up your a solid portfolio that you yeah. you have a lot of experience and you're not yeah. going to panic. And yeah. uh, it's tough for a, a beginner. So totally. my my question is, how much of your portfolio do you have in, in bonds and commodities? Okay, great. So I have none. In bonds. Wow. I would say I would say that I have right now I have ten percent of my portfolio in cash. I okay. don't have any, and I would say by cash I mean it's in an interest bearing account at bank. Yeah. So I, you can say it's bonds, like it's the same. It's guaranteed by How the government. You, right. How do you feel about like gold and silver buying stuff like uh, that? Um, I'm just uh, I'm smart in areas and I stick to those areas. Um, That's, yeah. I, yeah. I don't really go outside my circle of competence here, but why I don't is I don't like not getting cash flow. Like every position I have in my stock portfolio produces cash flow for dividends. Yeah, right? yeah. So my my biggest position is Australia's biggest bank, Combank, and I got a ton of money in there, and it's like an index fund almost because it owns almost all the companies, you know, pieces of the companies in Australia, and then the rest is like in Vanguard, BAS. Yeah, and then in yeah some other little stocks, but like I've got my two core positions are quite big. And then I've got these other ones around it, but they all produce dividends. So I, I don't like commodities and gold and Bitcoin and these things that don't produce cash. I just. So yeah. what do you think? Well, what do you think of, of bonds? You don't like them? Or... Well, when not, you're 37, I, you don't really need yeah. any bonds. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Like if your portfolio is set up correctly in stocks, let's say index funds and big core positions that are really good quality, mm-hmm. um, then you're investing for cash flow. And so like my portfolio could get crushed by 50% and I'm still getting paid. Income, yeah. You know? See, that's, that's what I was talking about uh, when Andrew and I were talking about this earlier. I, I like the investing in ETF uh, or dividend ETFs. Like, yeah. uh, Charles Schwab or Vanguard high dividend yeah. because when the market crashes, it's like, ah, yeah, my stocks are down, but I'm still going to be, I'm still getting paid. You know, totally. you yeah. just feel better about it when you know you have that income coming in, even though the, the stock's getting hammered. But um, so you don't, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's like, you know, you talk about as I get older, let's say, like, let's say I'm, I mean, my hope is that like, sometimes I'm 60 and 70 and I've got like multi million dollar portfolio that, that again, I think bond, 
the idea is, well, they need to spend their capital out for retirement, but I never want to touch my capital. I only ever want to add to it and grow it so that I'm not spending any. So like, let's say I'm retired and I'm making half a million a year in income from dividends. Uh, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. I, and, and with bonds, the income is fully taxable. Yeah. And it can be hurt a little bit by inflation, obviously. And they just don't have the same earnings potential as stocks. And so they don't grow as well. You know, like equity returns. Right. I think I see Dave Ramsey say something like that too. I was listening yeah. to him the other day and he said something very similar to that. Yeah. So, I'll try to be a disciple of Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell us about your, let's pivot a little bit. Tell us about your, uh, the secret side hustle. What yeah. Is that? So that's interesting. Um <laughs> God, I mean, I think back to in my early 20s, you know, when I was working and then I got a job in corporate and I was like, all right, I really just want to, I understood Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant. I knew I had to move from the left to the right. I wanted to move to the investor quadrant because I wanted my share portfolio and my assets to produce all of my income. So I was completely free. I mean, I, I understood that early in life and I was like, I, I want that. And so here I am working corporate, I'm saving money, I'm buying stocks, but I'm thinking to myself, this is a really freaking long time. Like this is going to take me a while to get my million dollar portfolio. And I was like, you know, and you can make it in like great investments. You can invest in an amazing stock, like Afterpay, and it's like, it's a 10 bagger and you just make a million. You can, but I, I'm just not that good. So um, I was looking for ways to accelerate or in, increase my earnings, increase my income, because I knew if I could just, double my income somewhere else, man, that's all gone in stocks. I will double my portfolio growth compared to the average. So I'm working away. I'm in business here in Australia with my dad. We're doing a pro- we got a property business. We had a property business back then and I'm earning okay money. And my sister comes along with me and says, look, I found some, I found like this, you know, product business. We, sh- we should do it. So my wife and I and her hunkered down. We built this side hustle marketing health products around the world online. And this thing started to produce like three, 400 bucks a week. And I was like, wow. And you know, like you guys, you put three or $400 into a compound interest calculator, right? Into an ETF over 30 years. You're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's, it's huge. So I'm like, I knew that. So I'm like, well, I want, I want this. I want $400 a week every week and I'm going to put it here. And this is how I'm going to, this is how I'm going to make my millions. You know, that was my idea. So um, that's what we did. But then what happened was once we got paid like 1900 for the week is like two grand for the week. I'm like, whoa. This is a hundred thousand a year extra we're earning from our side hustle. This is tremendous. I mean, it's a life changer. So we're like, let's spend a bit more time at it, obviously. And so we did. We hustled. We did a bit more, a bit more, a bit more, and it just grew into this beast where it now is our core business. I left my property business, and my wife and I just run this as a core business, and wow. it literally has has helped me accelerate my portfolio to the million past. You know, what we that's have amazing. Now. That's amazing. Congratulations. That's. I mean, Thanks, you're man. killing it in the game of life. You're killing it. You're 37. Yeah. You're a millionaire yeah. already. Like you're, yeah. you're working for you. You know, it's yeah. great. Yeah, um, it is. It, it's turned out that way. It, it's been quite a journey. Um, yeah, it's been a journey, man. Like, I mean, you just want to fill your days with just working towards your dreams. Like that's like what you guys are doing. You know, I think yeah. It, yeah. people underestimate the compound effect. They understand the compound effect with money but they sometimes don't understand a compound effect with your work and your life. Like you, what you're doing now with this, like as you keep going for the next 10 years, you like, it's like putting a, a pot on the stove. When you first put a pot on the stove, you don't see the bubbles. Yeah. It starts to yeah. boil away. And then eventually the bubbles just appear like, Whoa, 
Yeah. Like for me, this is a culmination. These last couple of years have been a culmination of like a decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about consistency. For once sure. you start seeing, once you start seeing success, you just want more and more, and you yeah. keep pushing yeah. to get better and better. Yeah. 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 So you, I know you, you're an avid reader. You you uh, follow a lot of investors. Have you read um uh, a book that I I actually just read? I loved it. Uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. You know, I read that when I was seventeen. See, if I read that when I was 17, I would probably have a million dollar portfolio. Too, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. In my book, I talk about that story, how that book came about. And I actually talk about that specific book in my book. I hope everyone, like, I hope your listeners pick up that book. It is amazing, right? I, I, I am going to pick up that book because yeah. I, I actually like everything you're saying. And everything you're saying is stuff that I, it helps me, um, it helps solidify, like, how I'm investing. I feel a lot better about it. And I think it's important too, because we want to preach these values to people that don't know what they're doing instead of trying to make money on penny stocks and ridiculous things, you know? Yeah. I literally, I kind of lay out the plan of how I built this in my book. And and if people read it, they get the framework of what I did. I even talk about ETFs now. I talk about Rich Men in Babylon. What happened to me was when I was in school, people, you know, people say, I didn't, didn't teach me about money in school, which they didn't. But yeah. they did teach us to read, add up, and write. <laughs> and I don't think people use those skills well enough to make money, right? Well, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is your your foundation, your family uh, foundation. Like my family, my mother and father never talked to me about investing. Never. Nobody in my family really ever talked to me about investing. And I, I, I feel like if I had that in my life, I would have done it. But I never knew anything about it until I, was, until I hit my, you know, 30s. And then yeah. I started investing and then I would tell my, so my brother, Andrew, I would tell my younger brothers, I'm the oldest. I, now I have them all investing. Like you guys are in your twenties. You need to start. Cause I started so late. Like, you know? Yeah. 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 Look, I was but, the same with my brother, like my younger brother, he was spending a lot and I'm like, man, let me teach you this. And I did. And as soon as he got that first dividend check, his whole spending paradigm shift and he doesn't, he's got like a three a quarter million dollar portfolio at 31, which is really cool amazing. for him. He's in that's the army, amazing. man. He's he's in the military. He's in Iraq right now. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And so he's built this with being steady. So like, I think back to richest man in Babylon. What I love about that is it teaches the fundamentals of getting your first savings together. Yeah, that's pay your yourself. Money. That's your pay money tree thing, man. Yeah, that's your that's your startup stock money. You need that first. You know. So. You know, a lot of people will look at guys like you. Or millionaires, guys that are, you know, rich guys, and they'll be like, oh, well, he must have did something, you know, he, he got lucky or, so, you know, he got a lucky break or, oh, he, he screwed somebody over to get that money. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. you could be rich, too. You just got to, if you did really? what this person did, you could be rich, too. Yeah. I feel like. You, know, you, you have to put in the work. Th- totally. And I mean, it's about being aware of opportunities and then their disguise is hard work after that. But what happened to me was I remember being in my grade 11, I think, or grade 12 English class of all places, English, you know, the last place you expect to learn about money. And my teacher said to us, his name was Mr. Barber. I remember he said, gentlemen, if there's one thing you do when you leave the school, I want you to read two books. And I was like, what's he talking about? And he said, I want you to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and The Richest Man in Babylon. And he told us why. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I must have been the only dude in that class that resp- I was like, oh my God. And I ran out and grabbed those books. I read them. And I feel like Mr. Barber really put me on this path. Like, so I, that's an opportunity that I got. Maybe the other people got it. They didn't see it. 
you know sometimes when you're in your i was like i was always pretty good with saving money i always had a good savings but i when in my 20s i definitely made stupid stupid purchases and i wasted money going out to eat like too many times a week just buying things you don't need you know buying the newest iphone or buying the newest this newest that instead of investing yeah so that's 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 so that's what we're trying to do with this podcast, trying to help people learn from my, you know, my, my mistakes, but everybody's mistakes when you're in your twenties, yeah. a lot of people yeah. make those mistakes. And I, and someone having someone like you on is just such a great tool for people to a learning tool for people, yeah. someone that has the success that you have. And it's, and it's great. Um, I'm, <laughs> and we don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to ask you two more things if you don't mind. Man, I'm stoked that you asked me. I'm, I'm happy. I love giving value uh, to people who need it, right? So, so what's your, the two hot topics right now in the, in the market, everyone's talking about, everybody's always asking me about it, is Tesla and Bitcoin. Tesla. Uh, and Bitcoin. I did two posts on this exact topic on my Facebook recently, which is fascinating. <laughs> so I'm glad that we're going to talk about this. So which one do you want to talk about first? You know what? Let's talk about Bitcoin. Okay. I don't deny the blockchain technology I don't deny that crypto's around. Like it's gonna be around forever. It's fine. Like accept it and like understand. It's a blockchain technology with a currency that you can use without it being controlled by central banks, and you can do things with it that aren't controlled by government. Cool, great, amazing. Doesn't mean it's a good investment. Yeah. <laughs> it, the technology, wow, amazing, and all this like we're gonna save the world and this type of stuff. Um, Fine, and it could, and I feel like it's it seems to be emerging as some sort of digital gold, so a reserve or a store of value, which is okay too. I'm and I'm okay with that. that that's cool. Yeah, makes sense. And I'm good with that. I'm not gonna diss it and say it's not gonna be around or whatever. But here's the thing: really, 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 really poor investment choice because because a <laughs> it doesn't produce any income. Okay, that's the first thing. So it's not gonna give you any freedom. Yeah. The other thing is this. If an asset doesn't produce an income or an earnings or some sort of out, out profit output, you cannot value the asset. So you're talking yeah. about dividends when you say that? Or, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm well, well earning, earnings. Well, so like, also it's just not backed by anything. There's nothing. Bitcoin there's no is just it's yeah. just a computer algorithm. It's, yeah. it, no, it's, hard, no, it's hard to explain it to people. Well, here, here's the thing. You can't value it, A, because it has no assets itself. So like if you value a bank, it's got actual stuff. If right. you value a mining company, it owns trucks and mining leases and, 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 and equipment and IP. There's things that it owns, right, that, that you can easily value. But Bitcoin doesn't own anything. Yeah. Right? So Hard to value it based on a tangible asset valuation model you can do with stocks. But the other thing is it has no earnings. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't earn anything. Yeah. So to value a stock, and Warren Buffett talks about this too, is you actually take the expected future earnings of this business, you discount them back using a regular, you know, standard discount rate, which is quite low at the moment, and it gives you a, a roundabout intrinsic value, a rough guide as to what it's worth for your money. So you can deploy your money in it, knowing that it's going to earn this type of money into the future. And that makes absolute sense. Same as a farm. You can do it with a farm. A farm's going to produce this. It's worth this. This is what I'm prepared to pay for it. And you can actually decide if it's too expensive or cheap. You can decide that based on your analysis. You cannot determine if Bitcoin is overpriced or underpriced because you cannot value it. Yeah, so what, yeah. I mean, what I mean by that is this. Someone says the other day, 
right? Talking to this guy. Uh, he, he, he made a ton of money, I know, in Bitcoin. And I said to him, okay, what's it worth? He said, well, I think if it falls to about 20,000 is good. I'm like, based on what? <laughs> oh, just how I feel. Just how I feel, yeah. right? You can, if you have an, a, just how I feel investment philosophy, you are going to lose a tremendous amount of money. Yeah. So some people got lucky, but here's the thing. I said to him, I said, listen, are you prepared to buy it now? It was at 40,000 US dollars or something, right? He's like, no, I feel like it's a bit high. I'm like, okay, great. So how can you tell people to put money in if you're not comfortable with it right now? Where is your logic here? And then yeah. he said, if it falls, I'll buy more. I'm like, falls to where? He says, if I yeah. knew that, I would short it. And he doesn't know. So yeah. another I, thing, I, I was just going to say another thing. We can go back. So and... interesting. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I was talking to someone about this on a, on a Facebook group. And uh, this guy was giving advice to someone who asked, should I buy a Bitcoin now? And he said, no, wait till it's high right now. Wait till it pulls back. And I'm like, well, first of all, pulls back to what? And second of all, how do you how do you know if it's high or low? Like, yep. who knows what it is? And how do you know it's going to pull back? It yeah, I, I was going to say, we could you know? look at the, the stock market returns. We can go back and we know the stock market's going to keep going up based on the past. Well, we expect it to, but there's really no past for Bitcoin. It's only been around for so long. Well, there's a thing in finance, behavioral finance called um, uh, recency bias. Mm -hmm. And it's a really big topic in behavioral finance, if you research that. But I learned about it when I was studying for my CFA charter and Recency bias really gets in the way of people's investment philosophy because they're basing their future decisions on what recently happened. And this is what gets people in trouble when they're trying to buy into a bubble. If the recency of Bitcoin just did this, it's recently in my mind. So I'm yeah. expecting the same, right? It's the same as COVID, same as pandemic. You watch. It's because it was close. It's the next few years will be like it's in our mind. We think it's gonna happen again, but yeah, not, right? Yeah. So yeah. same, same with Bitcoin. And the thing with stocks is that those businesses are run by, like, it's a real thing that produces actual value to the world and actual money. Like, you can see how the growth yeah. of technology and stuff's going to progress the stock market. You can see it. I don't know what's going to progress Bitcoin. Huh? Yeah. There's so many different cryptos out there. Why is Bitcoin a special one? You know what I mean? It's weird. It's like a basketball card. For sure. There's also and, a cap on it, right? And I think. Yeah, the supply cap. 21 yeah. million shares. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but it's like who and the average person, it's forty thousand a share. What are you gonna do? Invest a hundred dollars? What's that gonna do for you? You know, you, you well, gonna, yeah. it's it just doesn't make sense. But it's yeah, speculative. So, it's speculative. Like it's a gamble. As long as you understand that, you'll be fine. So like put five percent of portfolio in it. Done. Then you know then you can still brag to your friends that you pick Bitcoin, yada yada yada, great. You but don't, 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 yeah, don't a portfolio. That's what right. it is. You don't have Bitcoin. I have Bitcoin. That's yeah. what it is now. Yeah. It's like Tesla, which lead, yeah. leads us to our next subject. Tesla yeah. is the same. I, I just don't understand how a, a car company is yeah. worth so much more than, you know, Apple and, and Microsoft and Amazon. And, you know, it's like, how does this make any sense that? Yeah. And they don't even make money. If it wasn't for the subsidies, they they yeah, wouldn't even have a profit. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. And and so what the, see the thing with stocks is they don't go up because of the earnings. They go up because of the expected earnings. So in the short term, it's a voting machine. In the long term, as Warren Buffett says, it's a weighing machine. 
So it's getting votes right now based on its future potential earnings, right? So that's what's pumping yeah. the stock up. But this weird thing with Tesla is it's got this weird cult following behind it. And I think it's attracted a lot of retail investors that love the vision of Elon. And so they're, they're kind of bought in the vision through the stock. And that's what's really probably given it this extra bubbly effect that he's got a fan base that's just buying, right? And they're, they're unsophisticated. They just love it. And what's happening is they're buying it like a hot potato. So it's, you know, it's, it's a bubble essentially. And it's only worth what someone's prepared to pay for it tomorrow. So it's, it's not based on fundamentals. Yeah. And what I yeah. find fascinating about Tesla is that Michael Berry, you know who he is? Mm, no. I do not. He's ever seen that movie, The Big Short? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, Christian Bale. So, yeah, yeah, Christian Bale yeah. plays the character. Anyway, he's yeah. actually a real dude. He's a reclusive value investor. Very clever. He shorted the housing market when it was in bubble territory for all these same fundamental reasons. And he has the big short position on Tesla. I did hear about that. <laughs> and so I'm like... Oh, I don't know if I want to own that's Tesla interesting. Right that yeah. would scare me. Yeah, that if scares me. I'm like, right. yeah, <laughs> so, I don't think it's gonna last. But here's the thing if you going back to index funds, if you own VU, VOO, yeah, right, yeah. Uh, you have exposure to Tesla now, so it's like, don't worry, like, if it if it's gonna, you know, get some exposure that way. Same thing, like, you know, put five percent of your portfolio in Tesla and expect to lose it, you'll be fine. Yeah, I was just recommending that to a friend. He had Tesla, yeah. VLO, QQQ. I'm like, why do you have Tesla and all these index ones that have yeah. Tesla in it? Yeah. Just sell yeah, Tesla and put your money, yeah. money in Man, act- Yeah. Acti- activity is the enemy of the investor. And unfortunately, people love to be active. They just love to be doing stuff to make their money. And what's fascinating is I'll, it takes me like a year sometimes to put down one position. And then I'm done. I'll probably be done for another 12 months, maybe longer. I, I, that's how I trade. That's how I invest. I don't trade in and mm-hmm. out of the market. It's too hard. No. So, so do you try and beat the market then? Or, um, I'm just wondering because I know that. Go ahead. Sorry. If, if I was really, if it was my core focus, I reckon I could probably do that for a while because my capital is low compared to the big hitters, right? And my costs are low. And I can get into stocks that are pretty, you know, low liquidity. But, but I'm. I feel like I can build a bigger asset base and bigger portfolio if I actually make money in my businesses and just invest in some more passive assets. Yep. I feel like that is more beneficial long term. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I'm better to spend yeah, my time. Yeah. In my businesses. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what, that's what me and Tony do. We have a pretty much in all ETFs. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I have a real estate ETF, a dividend, a VOO, right. uh, international, you know, try to cover everything. Do you know what? If, if you're, you know, for your listeners and anyone you know, who's watching this or listening to this, I find the objective with share market investing and particularly index investing is, in my mind, the idea is to actually build something that gives you more passive income than what your life costs. Like that's the objective, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the goal. I feel like that that needs to be the goal because yeah. if you're not 100%. doing that, what do you, what do you escape? What do you, you know, what are you doing? Like build the freedom vehicle and then you get to spend your time doing whatever you want. Yeah. So instead of, instead of having an IRA, would it be smarter to have an individual brokerage account and then try and retire earlier? Is that, is that what you're suggesting? Well, what, yeah, it's really fascinating because I don't have a superannuation under an IRA because I'm a self-employed business person. Mm-hmm. So like I, I'm 
you know, I'll put plans in place to create one and get it going. Like, you know, it's important because of the tax advantages and so forth. But what I, what I focused on was actually building up a portfolio in, in our, in a trust, in a, in a company entity that where I could use the cash flow. Because once it's in an IRA or a superannuation fund, you cannot yeah. use that. Exactly. So I'm like, why would I handcuff? I'm like, that made no sense to me. I'm like, yeah, I know there's going to be some amazing gains at 65, but guess what? I don't want to live when I'm 65. I want to live yeah. now. Exactly. I, I could be dead at 65. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so I'm, I'm not all for that. That's I think why. Some, that's exactly why. There's some tremendous tax advantages yeah. for sure on the way in and on the way out. I'm not debating it. And I feel like if you've got it going on, great. But yeah, I think if you're making enough money, have both. But I, I love that I get my dividend check and goes into my bank account. I can buy coffee with it. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. So how does, yeah. how does, sorry to cut you off. How does dividend, so in, in the U.S., uh, for dividends, we have a, a dividend tax is the same as if you were to sell a stock, but you have a yeah. long-term capital yeah. gains rate. So if you yeah. hold it a, a year or more, I don't know yeah. if it's the same in Australia. You know what, dude? I, I, I really feel sorry for you for the uh, Americans and the North Americans and whoever's in those markets. In, because what happens in those companies, you guys have the companies and the market grows more, right? Because, because they spend most of their time buying back stock and they just have, they're just better quality companies. So they do perform better, but the dividends, because they're fully taxable, it's hard to become a dividend investor there. You know, there's no incentive. You're like, Oh, I'm just going to get taxed. So I totally get that that it's a more capital growth model, totally. But here's the thing in Australia that we get, which is amazing. It's called imputation credits. And it's where like certain companies and a lot of them, the, the major companies, the government is already taxing their profits. And so when they pay you out the dividends, it's after tax dollars they're paying that to you with. Wow. So uh, I, I need to move to Australia. <laughs> I don't, I'll give you an example. With, with Combank before you know the, the, the pandemic, Combank, it was paying a five and a, it's a really good quality company. Five and a half percent dividend. That's tax awesome. Free, tax free. <laughs> Up to thirty percent market rate, right? So, like, it, it's mental, man. Like, it's so good. Banks That's are awesome. a no-brainer. Banks are a no-brainer dividend because they're not. No-brainer. The government's going to bail them out. You know, yep. if something yep. major happens. Yep. So that's amazing. Uh, yep. Um, like on the same page. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Andrew? I don't no, know. I'm, all out of, really. I'm all out of notes. I'm all out of notes. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was an incredible conversation. My mind is spinning. that was great. <laughs> there you go. I'm really glad. Take up. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but we really appreciate you coming on today. And I feel like uh, you, this conversation will definitely help a lot of people. So yeah, that was awesome. Thank you so much. We, we appreciate it. Uh, can me. you tell us tell us where we can get your book? Where people can go? What website? Okay, cool. So the website is moneygrowsontreesbook.com. It's quite a long one, okay. but moneygrowsontreesbook.com. We'll, we'll attach the link in the description. Cool. Too, yeah, awesome. So. But if, if anyone yeah. wants to follow me on Instagram, like I post a ton of free value on there. In, uh, my handle is Lloyd James Ross. Awesome. Yeah, I'll Perfect. throw your Instagram in there too. So. Oh, no worries. Awesome. Great. Right. Thanks again. So much, appreciate man. it. Uh, it's awesome. been awesome. You guys are awesome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers out there. Um, One thing that would help us out a lot is if you give us a rating and please leave a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. 
And if you have any suggestions for future shows of, of any type of subjects you would want us to cover, let us know. We're open to all suggestions. And um, also, the last thing I would say is it's also very, very helpful if you go over to our YouTube channel and you subscribe to that as well. And the YouTube channel has a lot of great, uh, we added a lot of photos and helpful aids that will help you understand a little bit better the things we discuss in the podcast. But um, once again, thanks for all your support and uh, stay tuned for the next episode.